Hello and welcome to another episode of the Views from the Safety Car podcast. My name is Paul and for today's episode, this was actually recorded earlier in the week and it was meant to be a preview of the the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix race weekend. That race weekend has been canceled due to flooding in the area and uh, we're thinking about the, the people of the Emilia-Romagna region and anybody has been, been affected by the flooding. I think that uh, Formula One made the right call, of course, with canceling the Grand Prix. Right now, it is unclear if the Grand Prix is going to happen again in the future. They've been very particular about their language. It may happen at a future date, but it's it's definitely not happening this weekend. With that being said, uh, we'll, we're going to post this episode uh, this, uh, on Friday when the Grand Prix re- weekend was supposed to start. We hope you enjoy it. The next uh, episode will be around the Monaco Grand Prix, and uh, we'll pick up with our normal uh, podcast activities at that point. Anyways, hope you enjoy the show. Ciao, Revy. Ciao, Apollo. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good accent. Um, How did you practice? Have you been watching The Godfather? Uh, nope, never seen it. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen Godfather 1, but I haven't seen Godfather 2 or 3. And everybody always says that I mean, they're like great sequels. Um, But I, I mean, I, I kind of find it a little bit hard to believe because just the fact that they are sequels. I don't know, but have you ever seen? Uh, so you, you you haven't seen any of them? Um, no, I'm, about... not, I'm not much of a movie buff. I catch <laughs> the, the majority of movies on on airplanes, and I think the last time I was on a flight, I think The Godfather might have been on it, and I decided <laughs> uh, it, it was on the list of options to watch, but I decided against it. What about like uh, like Goodfellas? Have you ever seen Goodfellas? I have seen the Goodfellas. Yes, that's great. Yeah, no, I just remember growing up like all the so since we grew up in New Jersey, there's just so many Italians. And all the dads in their in their you know furnished basements or whatever where we were playing as kids always used to have posters of The Godfather or Goodfellas. It was just all over the place. It was it was ubiquitous. Yeah, uh, it's, this is this is the the zone here up in the northeast of uh, the U.S. where there's a you know ton of Italian Americans. Of course, Sopranos was recorded uh, you mm. know right around this area as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you watched The Sopranos? I have. I've seen the the full series. Wow. Okay. You watch the. See, I I always start and then I like I drop off. Um, yeah. I I definitely recognize some parts of it though, like the Patterson Falls. I remember going there uh, as a kid. Um, there was one scene in The Sopranos where they throw a guy off the pat like a bridge going over the Patterson Falls. Spoiler, Paul. Come on. <laughs> so in the movie. So the, no, sorry, the show has been out <laughs> forever. That is not a spoiler. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, the, the the opening the opening scene of the of season one episode one actually takes place on Paramus Road, right by Paramus Catholic. Mm-hmm. Where they're so chasing where's... that they're chasing a guy down, you know, in a car, and they run him over because he owes that, you know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's a fun fact. I like that. Um, so, I mean, speaking of the Sopranos, how far away is Sicily to Imola this weekend? Is Sicily the south of Italy? 
Yeah, it's actually an island uh, off the, off the southern coast, and it's quite mm-hmm. far. So Italy, I, I actually thought about doing this for not a country quiz, decided against it, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe holding it off for the next Italian race, because there are two races in Italy, yeah, uh, in Imola and Monza. But um, yeah, so uh, the, Italy is, is divided, you know, into North Italy and South Italy. Um, mm-hmm. And so both of the races are actually in North Italy. Yeah, um, and then Sicily is in South Italy. Um, in the and, in the in the cuff of the boot. Yeah, yeah. Or I think they they call it the ball sometimes too because it's like it's kicking it. Yeah. Um. But the Sicily is is very well uh, known for. Wait, one more time. Yeah. They call wait what what section do they call the ball? I think they call it. I think I think Sicily is the ball. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. But the race, so the races are being held in the, in like, I don't know, the cuff or the entrance of the boot. Like it was a very tall boot and you're like pulling it up. I don't know. What's that called? With like the top part of the boot, like the thing that your, your foot first goes in when you're putting on the boot. Like say that it's like a really tall riding I, I, boot. I, yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like the stuff that, the, the part of the boot that goes above the ankle and maybe up the mm-hmm. lower leg a little bit. I yeah. couldn't tell you. I've never really thought too much about it. Well, that's where the races are being held, and then the uh, Sicily is is the thing that the boots kicking. Yeah, uh, another easier way to say it is that uh, the races are both being held up in North Italy. <laughs> no, I like this analogy better. <laughs> uh, so, what do, what do we know about uh, what do we know about Italy? So, so for your thing, are you doing a um, a country preview of Italy, or did you focus yeah, no, on the region? Country preview, but yep, I, I oh. do have uh, information <laughs> about. Uh, I, I've done quite a bit of extensive research on Italy. Mm-hmm. I, I like I said, I mean, I thought about going into the whole North versus South divide and and quizzing you on uh, you know which cities are in the North versus the South, but I think I might hold off on that for the next mm-hmm. time. I wasn't super impressed with the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, really, what I wanted to dive into, uh, because is really some some food you know because italy uh of course is is very well known for its cuisine yeah um but this race um uh, uh the emilia romagna so let me I, I guess i'll note that emilia romagna is the name of the region um mm-hmm. in which the race is being held almost yeah like state. um and emilia romagna itself has a number of uh especially famous uh foods mm-hmm. so uh one of them is parmigiano reggiano which mm. is, of course, been bastardized by English into Parmesan cheese. <laughs> uh, no, no, you know, I learned about Parmesan recent, cheese recently is that there's a lot of filler in it. Like for the uh, like if you get like craft Parmesan cheese, um, it's not actually cheese for the most part. It They include um, cellulose, like wood fiber. As Ameri- a filler, maybe if you're buying American, you know. Uh, yeah, that, that's Parmesan. what I'm saying. Like Kraft Parme- like Kraft Parmesan cheese, like the stuff. Oh, Kraft. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Kraft with a K, the brand. Kraft with a K. Yeah. Not Kraft with a C, like a Kraft no. beer. No. Kraft <laughs> with a K. Yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> I mean, because I, I, I definitely interpreted it as Kraft with a C, like a Kraft no craft like cheese the craft <laughs> olive oil yeah craft uh parmesan cheese this is the furthest thing from craft that you can get um but yeah the um i only we only we we usually buy the stuff that you you know put through a grater like the real real craft you, 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 you have to buy yes craft with the c you have to buy it in <laughs> real form yeah it, yeah, we, yeah but i was kind of surprised that they're putting wood, like cellulose wood filler in there anyway sorry i didn't mean to ruin yep. your train of thought 
Yeah, again, I mean, you're talking about what is not a go- the gold standard for Parmesan, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, another very famous uh, food from the area is prosciutto di Parma. Mm. So prosciutto, you know, prosciutto, um, it actually refers to any dry cured or cooked ham. Mm-hmm. Um, but prosciutto di Parma is like the prosciutto that you would know from getting on a charcuterie board. Um, mm-hmm. So if you've eaten something that somebody called prosciutto, likely uh, it was more, more than likely it was prosciutto di Parma. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. I love it. I my my dogs had some too, and he's loved he's loved it also. Yeah, super I, salty I, though. Not good for animals. I don't recommend it. Yeah, no, but um, <laughs> it's 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 delicious. It's a it, it's a it's a staple on any charcuterie board. Mm-hmm. Um, so so those two um foods, the par- Parmigiano Reggiano and Prosciutto di Parma, those are <laughs> those are both absolute just gold standards uh, mm-hmm. for food. Um. There's actually a, a very third famous food that I don't know anyone would necessarily call a gold standard. Um, and it's named after the largest city in the region. So now my first question for you, Paul. Mm-hmm. What lunch meat or deli meat am I thinking about? That's right named now? after the 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 um, uh, after the the biggest what did you say city or the biggest city in the in Emilia Romagna. Wasn't uh, Milan the largest city or the Don't biggest start city? Start looking it up. Uh, the no, it's not Milan. Let me give you a let me give you a hint here, Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, Weird Al, he once said he um when he was a senior in college, mm-hmm. okay, he uh, wrote uh, the first song that he kind of became famous for, and the one that real made him realize he might be able to make a career out of comedic music. Mm-hmm. This deli meat is in the title of the song. Is it, uh, is it bologna? Bologna. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my little hungry one. Hungry one. Open up a package of my bologna. <laughs> oh, my Ooh, God. I think the toast is done. The toast is done. <laughs> Top it with a little of my bologna. Oh, my God. <laughs> Never gonna stop. Eat it up. Such a tasty snack. I always eat too much and throw up, but I'll soon be back. My, 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 woo! My, oh my god! My Bologna. So is is uh is well? It, well I got some questions. Is Milan not in the uh, Emilia Romagna? Um, it's not okay. So I don't know okay. what state it's in. I don't. I don't know what like state or region it, it's in, but it definitively is not in Emilia Romagna. Gotcha. Okay. So Bologna. Yeah, um, I think Milan is actually is more is further northwest. Yeah, I, it's further I, northwest. Actually, I think um, Monza is not too far from. No, it's, yeah, it's a, from yeah that's Milan. I think that's right. Might, might be confusing races here. No, I'm not confusing races, but um, the yeah, because I uh, I'll talk about it later, but um, I wanted to just talk about uh the two tracks and how they're different because we were like you mentioned like there we are fortunate to have two different italian races and they're actually not that far from each other it's only something like 170 miles away from each other um but anyways mm-hmm. sorry to ruin your ear yeah, no no worries at all um i guess i guess the last thing i'm going to note very quickly about food um is that um there's also a very famous pasta sauce that uh, mm-hmm. very much originates in the in the area Bolognese. The meat, that makes meat sense. Sauce. Yes, exactly. That makes sense. Um, I, I do have, uh, it's, it's actually called bolognese though, isn't it? Uh, no. So, 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 <laughs> uh, I have, I have a few, uh, 
I kind of want to drill down into Bologna and Bologna a little bit more. Let's do you it. Want to? Yeah. Um. So, do you know where it falls in the rankings of the most sold deli meats? Oh my I'll, god! I'll give you some options. Okay. Top two. Do you think it's uh, three through five, six through ten, or outside of the top ten? Uh, I don't know because, like, top. I mean, if I go to the deli, uh, which is you know, uh, admittedly not that often, but the things that I would get would be like, I don't know, turkey or ham or like the main staples. I probably would not go for bologna. Um, but that being said, it is a very popular deli meat. I would say it would be top, top three. Well, that wasn't an option, but, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, uh, it actually falls in at number six in the rankings. Turkey's number one, uh, ham is number two. Mm. And then people buy uh, some sort of beef deli meat, apparently. Um, and then there's chicken and salami to round out the top five. Uh, Bologna mm. falls at number six. It actually uh, comes from the Italian uh, mortadella, uh, you know, sausage. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very similar. Uh, but at some point, Bologna uh, got turned into bologna. And I was very curious about how that happens. Um, because to me, there's a certain elegance to the name Bologna. And uh, <laughs> that elegance is is completely lost. Uh, you said, you said we bologna. ruined it? Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> so. Um, and I was really curious about how that, that happened. Uh, so I looked it up. Uh, mm -hmm. There's not historians disagree on, on this. There's not really a, there's not really a, um, you know, there's no consensus as to as to how it happened. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the, the, the top theory is that a number of Italian words, uh, mm -hmm. such as Italia, Sicilia, Lombardia, mm -hmm. um, that end in A. You know, mm -hmm. had their a chopped lopped off basically, and when they became anglicized, um, and so now you have Italy, Sicily, Lombardy. So possibly in a similar vein, Bologna became Bologna. Mm -hmm. What but were they uh, making in the in the jungle? What are they making in the jungle? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. The book, the famous about. Um... Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody can cross off an Upton Sinclair uh, reference off their bingo card. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paul, I've got one more interesting fact for you about bologna. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know this is probably more bologna than anybody really expected to, <laughs> to hear or really wanted to hear about. Mm -hmm. But um, I also got curious about how bologna started becoming used, um, you know, in common language, not when talking about meat, but talking about like um, nonsense, I guess. Mm hmm. Um, and, um, it, it, the, this is, this is a pretty interesting one to me. Um, so it seems that the world of sports in the 1920s is actually, uh, once is, is where it started to, to emerge from only being, you know, a food. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to read, uh, two paragraphs for you here. Here, hold on one second. You said what, what year did you say? The 1920s. Wow. Okay. Yep. So uh, by the 1920s, people were using bologna to describe non-food related things, according to the uh, Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. uh, a writer, Charles Whitwer, referred to a big clumsy boxer as a bologna in 1920. <laughs> and it wasn't long before that that it started becoming a slang term used within the larger world of sports. 
It was at a time when sports writers in particular were looking for funny words to describe these lumbering boxers and whatever <laughs> connection they were making to the sausage, whether it was because they had sausage for brains or they looked they kind of looked like big sausages. It served <laughs> its purpose as a funny sounding word. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the, the, uh, the line, that funny sounding word took on a definition that we now use it for today, which, of course, is nonsense. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's, it's definitely something you can visualize. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, because mm-hmm. a, a big, you know, lumbering thick boxer. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> Um, so I thought that that was that was pretty interesting because uh, I, I, you know, the term phony baloney is is you, you, you see that from time to time. And it's like, how, you know, so I like it to, to me. Baloney is like such a fake processed meat. So isn't all baloney uh, phony anyway? Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what led me down that whole rabbit hole. <laughs> stuff, uh, turns out it had nothing to do with that. Um, that's good. So I'm, I'm going to quickly touch on some some uh, uh, some geography here. Uh Quick question, though, for you. I'm ready. Um, Italy. Mm-hmm. Shaped uh, like a boot. Is, uh, sorry? It's shaped like a boot. Is that what you're going to ask me? What does it look uh, like? <laughs> not quite. Okay. Uh, so Italy <laughs> is, um, uh, is, is unique in that it is a country that two other countries share their only border with. Okay, so so okay. for example, you know how Denmark only borders mm-hmm. Germany, right? So so in a similar vein, there are two countries that share their only border with Italy. Uh, it's one of uh, it's it's uh, one of two countries in the world that's like that. Um, Indonesia is the other one that's not important. But my question for you, Paul, is: Do you know what those two countries are that share that only share a border with Italy? I think um, the Vatican or Vatican City must be one of them. That is correct. And then uh, can't be Monaco, right? Because that also um, borders France, right? Um, only borders France. Yep. Only borders France. Okay. Um, but they, do they speak Italian there uh, in Monaco? Uh, they, they speak both French and Italian. And Madagascar um, actually is, I think, the, the primary language. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh boy, I have a zoomed-in version of the map here, but I'm trying to think of, um, I don't know. Um, so that country, Paul, is a little country called San Marino. So ah. Vatican City is the smallest country in the world. Uh, San Marino is the fifth smallest country in the world. Wow, so that's, okay, That's I, maybe I should have known that. Um I didn't realize that it was his own country. Man, apologies to all of our San Marino Marinian listeners out there. Um, wow. Okay. Well, that's cool because I mean, this um, Grand Prix used to be called the San Marino Grand Prix up yeah. until 2006. Um, I, I didn't. I I just assumed that it was uh, another city or something like that. I didn't realize it was his own country. Yeah, and I'm not going to go into the the reasons that it is. I'm going to avoid the whole. Um unification of italy chats Mm -hmm. from the from the 1800s but um it's it's very mountainous uh san marino and that's actually kind of why i wanted to bring it up is because we will see beautiful sights beautiful views of mountains Mm -hmm. uh at this race here and when we are seeing that you know it might be easy to think that you're seeing the alps but Mm -hmm. in fact 
not the Alps, uh, the Imola uh, and San Marino and um, and uh, Bologna, they all sit on the northern foot of the Apennine Mountains, uh, mm-hmm. which run the basically the full length of Italy all the way down uh, into um, into the the toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the, the toe. Foot, yeah. Got it. We're very cool. Yeah. Um... Where is Vatican City, anyways? It's in uh, Rome. It's 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 in it's, Rome. It's completely in Rome. Yep. By the way, just since you you mentioned Monaco, Monaco is the second smallest country in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's that's uh, we have uh, references to three out of the five smallest countries in the world on this podcast. You can also cross that off of your bingo card. Yeah. Okay. So okay, let, let me just pitch something here. So we have a San Marino Grand Prix. We have a Monaco Grand Prix. So is it only natural that we next have a Vatican City Grand Prix? Uh, I, I love the thought. I love the idea. <laughs> um, seeing, seeing them, uh, you know, see, seeing the cars drive around the, the papal suites and everything. Would <laughs> certainly be quite the, quite the sight. I guess Maybe I'll, they I'll could go through this. this uh, I, I, let me, let, I, I'll just quickly mention that. I, I think the square... I think the Vatican City is less than one square mile mm-hmm. vacant area, so I don't know <laughs> that uh, you'd, you'd be able to even have a track that. Uh, I think the track could be bigger than Vatican itself. Yeah, it could be. I mean, we can. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool just to drive through the Sistine Chapel, though. <laughs> just, just the roaring of uh, turbo V sixes <laughs> shaking all the plaster. Anyways, there, there, there might be a worry that uh, a new pope was elected, or, like, <laughs> you know, or some, or somebody died, depending on uh, right. the, the color of the smoke. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think. Uh, well, thank you for walking us through that. Yeah, um, you did. You did well today, Paul. I'm happy. Crushed it. Yeah, I, sh- I should have. Uh, some of the stuff I could improve on, but you know, this is all part of the learning experience. Anyways, all right. So. Uh, Thanks for running us through the the country, Remy. We'll go on to the track next. We we realized that Doug had been muted this entire time, and he just found the <laughs> the, the the unmute button. <laughs> that, that's definitely that's certainly one way to put it. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, no problem. Uh, hey, what, so, what was your favorite part of the Not a Country Quiz? Was it my singing of Weird Al, <laughs> or was it the fat the the information uh, on the deli meats, Doug? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with deli meats. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Um, it's it stinks that we couldn't get any of your commentary because of the whole mute issue. Uh, but anyways, all right. So uh, so going into the the track um, portion of this segment, uh, as we introduced earlier, this is one of two races that happens in Italy. So this one is um, is is has been historically known as the Mola. Grand Prix or the Emilia Grand Prix, rather, it is now called the Emilia Romagna uh, Grand Prix. And let, I, let me just pull this up real quick. But this is a. Have you guys seen the name of this track? Um, yet let me find it real quick. I'll have to cut I it. did because I was googling exactly the the location of it. Do you have it up right now? No, but I did see the name of the track previously. Doug, Doug you don't care for the the name of the Grand Prix though. No, 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 no. And uh, yeah, because when I heard the fir- the original name, I do recognize that name, and it's Imola. Significantly, yeah. it's a significantly better name. Yeah, I mean, you're, it, so you're more likely to recognize a tiny little town of Imola rather than the state of Emilia Romagna. 
But in the context of like motorsport, like it's it is more identifiable because if you play like any racing game, Imola will show up. Yeah, um, exactly. Like you know the, tr- you, the there's no other track I don't think that has a two person name like a like a two name name. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, you mean the name of the Grand Prix? It's, it's like the cool it's ones are like name. like it's, uh, yeah the Monza, yeah, Baku, Monaco, like it's all one word, like identifiable stuff well, Emilio just, Romano you're like you like get confused you're like are you talking about a guy like a like a historical driver like is this a race is it like what is this yeah that, that's because you're skipping out on the, the sponsor name you know it's it's not the Miami Grand Prix it's the crypto.com Miami <laughs> Miami Grand Prix well I mean so so I, I think the Emilio Romagna I mean it's the name of the region that it's in um it's well referencing well at least the romans for part of it i don't know where the amelia comes from i don't know if you know off the top of your head maybe that's just something that we just don't know oh um, so it's but, not a guy's name no no, no it's but the name of the region in italy uh in which the race is found yeah but but speaking of speaking of a guy's name um so this has been formerly known as imola they renamed the the track or the circuit it is the autodroma internazionale enzo e dino ferrari so it's actually two people's names, Paul. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Enzo and then Dino. Um oh, right, sorry. I thought you said it's a person. Sorry. I, I misheard you. That's on me. Yeah, <sighs> it is on you. Um <laughs> but yeah. So, anyways, that does not roll off the tongue whatsoever. Um, that's it, but so, anyways, most people will call it uh Imola. Um, so the other one is uh Monza, which is uh near the city of Milan. And they're only about 170 miles away from each other. So they're, but it's kind of cool that Italy's got um, two of them. So I guess here, here's a here's a pop quiz. Um, the, the Imola track is infamous for an event that happened here in, I think it was '94 when it was it was it was called the San Marino Grand Prix at that point. But what was this infamous event that happened at at the the track? Uh, someone died. I forget who it was. Somebody crashed. All right, Doug. Any guesses? Uh, is this where Verstappen drove on Hamilton's head in 1994? <laughs> no, the ding, ding, ding. All right. Uh, Hunt beat louder. No. Remy was closer. Uh, so this is where this is where uh, Ericsson Senna died. He died at the Imola track at the San Marino Grand Prix in 1994. There was also oh, Roland Ratz- Ratzenberger, who also died in that same same Grand Prix weekend. Uh, and then also another guy crashed. Um, uh, Ruben uh, Barrichello crashed in that same Grand Prix weekend. And, and all these events together caused um, a wave of new safety changes to the sport and to the track that wouldn't have probably happened otherwise. And also another fun fact is um, Max Verstappen's father-in-law also crashed here at some point. And I think it was one of the first times that this track was being used as a track. So it's it's been a deadly track in the past. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I wonder, right. do they, I wonder if they do any like uh, pre-race stuff to honor... Yeah, Eric and Senna. Yeah. And, what year and, was that in? That was 1994. 
So next year there will be the 20 year anniversary. I'm sure they'll do something. Yeah. Yeah. I bet, I bet they'll, they'll on the race broadcast. I think that they would uh, be remiss if they didn't mention all those people that um, either died or got injured. But yeah, to Remy's point, it, since next year is an anniversary, almost certainly going to see something like that. But all that being said, so this was uh, previously called the San Marino Grand Prix up until 2006, and there was a pause, and then it was brought back in 2020. And a lot of the driver reactions at the time when it came back in 2020 is they really like it. This is a relatively fast track uh, with lots of sweeping corners. Um, yeah, it's just a just a good track in general for, from a driver perspective. Um, this is not the primary Ferrari track. You, you always hear about the Tifosi, the Tifosi being the Ferrari faithful. Um, most, I mean, they will show up here to this Imola race, but most times they just go to go to Monza. Like that's going to be the the big event. Monza is the older race. Um, for Imola, this is going. This is um, you. We'll see a lot of Ferrari support here, a lot of Tifosi, and it's actually closer to the home base of Ferrari. Ferrari has um, home bases uh, in Modena and Maranello uh, for the for the the racing team and I guess the the uh, the car division which is very very close to um Imola. Um <clears throat> I'll just pause there. I don't know. I did yeah, you guys have you seen the uh Tifosi at these races in the past? Yep, they certainly have. And um I mean just just to vibe a little bit on the whole Ferrari bit that this is going to be a very big, you know, 3 to 4 week span for Ferrari because they have the, you know, this is one of their home races, of course. Monaco is going to follow this race and then uh Barcelona I think will follow that. So the the home races for Charles and and Sainz. So so big 3 weeks or 4 weeks ahead for Ferrari. And so the the Tifosi When is Monza? The Tifosi will be out there to to show their support. That's later in the summer. Mm. So it's spread yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. Um one yeah, other and, fun And I think I think it's worth mentioning. I mean is it a bit absurd that Italy has two races and France has zero races this year? <laughs> well, I mean, Italy, you have companies like Ferrari, you have Lamborghini. They're like synonymous with motorsport and, you know, racing. And in France, you have Peugeot and you have Citroën and you have uh, <laughs> uh, Renault, all, all three of which are, are notoriously fast cars. I apologize. You're right. Everybody thinks of, uh, I don't know, Peugeot when they think about fast, fast cars. Um, another thing that I'll mention real quick is that, um, this is getting out of motorsport for a second, but into the world of cycling. Have you guys ever heard of the Giro d'Italia before? Nope. So it's, it's one of the, um, the major grand tour races. So this is up there with the Tour de France, the Tour de France. There's three grand tour cycling events. The Tour de France is one. Giro d'Italia is another one. And then it's also the, the Vuelta, uh, um, Vuelta a España. And so anyways, they've they've had stages of the Giro d'Italia that have gone through Imola before. And the most re uh, recent one in 2018 was won by an Irishman, a sprinter, Sam Bennett, who won. So if there's any cycling fans out there, I thought that was a kind of a cool fact. Um, but yeah, have you guys seen the shape of the track? Uh, I have taken a look at it. Yes. All right. Uh, I have not. I'm pulling it up now. <laughs> Okay, let's pull it up now. All right, so everybody's got it pulled up now. Uh, Remy, uh, I think you've been struggling with the the shape of this one. How would you describe 
the the shape of this track or do you want me to go first i can go first um i mean i'll take it just because i don't feel very confident in this which way are you looking at it uh uh so so uh the the um it looks like a uh, how how do you answer this question? Um, the, there's like there's a narrow a, edge and then a point. Like there's a, a there's a square corner. There's like a square end and a pointy end. The ninety degree turn is up. So like the square end is up, and then the, yeah, the, the, uh, it's up and to the right. Yeah, so, so that's you, that's, that's you, the you, orientation that we're looking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm in looking at it where results, it's down and to the left. In mm. the Google results, like ninety percent of them are facing the same direction. That's the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. just look at you could look at it both ways. I think it's a little bit more descriptive to look at it with the square corner on the bottom left. <laughs> okay. All right. So that'll Fair be enough. yours. And then <laughs> square corner being turns uh 17 and 18. Perfect. Yep. All and, right. and that means that the, the 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 starting line uh is at the bottom of the mm-hmm. of the track shape is what you're is the way you're describing it there, Doug. Correct. So, so what do you got, Remy? Uh, yeah, not feeling great about this. Um, I guess I got I don't know, a few like random little things. I guess um, kind of like a banana in a way. Uh, with that little square thing being the top of the banana that you would rip off. Don't feel great about that. Another one that yeah. I had don't feel excellent is it looks like first class seats on an airplane, like the the ones that are you know very loungeable. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- yeah, I guess similar to a chaise, you know, uh, if if you want, uh, but you find I, I don't know. I, they, they don't really speak to me. Maybe one of your shapes will will uh once once I hear them, I'll I'll be like, yes, that's it. All right, well, I love it. Let, let me tell you, Lindsay's first. So Lindsay told me that um she hasn't seen the track uh first of all, but she said that it probably looks like a spaghetti noodle that's been put out in the shape of a track. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so she's not wrong uh but yeah she hasn't seen the track for me for me personally i think it looks like either a a slug that's going to the right or jabba the hut i think it kind of looks like jabba the hut when he's like you know lying down on his he's got like all his uh i don't know he looks like a slug so but he's got his slug like body out laid next to him on the chaise lounge or whatever yeah, I mean, to be fair those are basically the same exact <laughs> statements yeah, well, maybe people don't know Chow the Hutt. So I, I, I got in all the non-Star But you Wars took fans. mine. Slug was Slug is absolutely um, with the square on the bottom left. It looks exactly like a slug. Yeah, that with, speaks to me. And then also, if you invert it uh, the other way, the other so that the, um, the the race start is actually at the top, it also looks like a slug. Gun, and I think that as like in a, as in a gun, you know, bang bang. Yeah, so you know? It, so exactly. That's my point. Is if you had just tweaked yours slightly, it probably would have made the most sense. So banana gun is what I would say. Like if you if you use the banana as a gun, <laughs> therefore. So if you if you like. take a banana yeah. and you point it at somebody and say bang, that's that's yeah. that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because then you'd hold it in this way a little bit more, and like yeah, you'd put pressure on it a little bit. <laughs> Banana Gun. That's the song that I was trying to get them to play at your wedding the entire time. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. Yeah, that was Raffy. Bang, 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 bang. Banana Raffy's Gun. evil brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good one. I, I like Slug. I I, I like Slug. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Doug did not mute himself for that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely like slug. <laughs> I definitely like slug the best. I mean, Paul. How was I not talk? muted for that? Uh, who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, with with all the mute issues you had for the first segment too, you know. Uh, <laughs> so once you said slug, yeah, I immediately saw that. I guess. Uh, um, uh, Doug, this would be a question for you. Maybe can you kind of see the New Jersey Devils logo in there a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, you have like the yeah. J that kind of comes off the bottom, and maybe I could see that a little bit. Uh, I know that was a question for Doug. Yeah, I don't I know. But yeah, anyways, a bit of a stretch. I, I didn't feel great about it. So, all right. Well, okay. Now everyone has a very clear picture of the track shape. All of our listeners know exactly what it looks like. So let's go uh, go to the simulator and take a drive around and see what we think about it um so we have honestly to... it also kind of looks like a dog turd <laughs> you know what i you know what i think too i mean you could you could say it kind of looks like a boot in a way you know or a sock i don't know how other other formula one commentators are not already covering this like how this feels like a big gap in the formula one commentaries track shapes <laughs> i mean dog I turd commentary that. like i mean you don't see anybody else doing that <laughs> Well, I'm not sure dog turd really is is the most elegant uh, thing to see in that. All right, what? onto the onto the onto the the track lap. All right, so now we're all buckled into the simulator, and for today's uh, drive around the track, we've of course chosen a Ferrari to do our our drive in. Um, I guess one th one of the things that I'll I'll call out is um, uh, we'll very quickly reach the point where Ayrton Senna had his crash. It's a famous turn called Tamborello, uh, which is at the end of the long straight after the um, after the starting line. Um, so we're, we're here at the, the starting finish line. And uh, I guess one thing that I just noticed immediately is this track has a lot of green. What do you guys think? Green in what way? You mean like how there's Rolex advertisements on the right hand side? <laughs> there's a lot of trees. There's a lot of trees. I mean, especially compared to Miami, this is um, <laughs> this is definitely a uh, a track that's not in a parking lot. I mean, we're going through a forest right now. So, uh, yeah, we're coming. Yeah, it's, you're, you're out in the out in the country a bit. Um, yeah, this is beautiful. So, yeah. So here we're coming to the end of sector one, and this is uh, where the Ayrton Senna crash would have happened. So this racetrack, instead of right now, what we're seeing is we're seeing a left into a right. Uh, this was added to slow down drivers. This is initially you drivers would go straight here and into a more gradual, slow left turn. Um, but Ayrton Senna would have crashed uh, just in, into this wall over here. Um, one thing that I'll remark on that I always like from both the Italian, um, the Grand Prix in Italy is uh, the the Italy flag is always you can always see it, um, you know, in the the ground uh, heading into the heading into turns. I like that mm -hmm. little customization. Oh, yeah. On near the curb. Yeah, I see yeah, near the curbs. Yeah, exactly. And and you can see the mountains now in the background. Uh, those are mm -hmm. the again to remind from from my from the from the first segment there those are not the alps we are uh at the foot of the apennine mountains not the alps i mean this, this is, is so pretty it really is yeah we're coming i wonder we're if it right... matters at all from like a driver perspective yeah, yeah like yeah, they're admiring the views no i think so necessarily like admiring it but it allows to pass time or like notice like there's more differentiation at different parts of the race potentially instead of it just being like a 
built track for for that race mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like it's yeah. like blends into the to the environment a lot more. I've always thought that the like the the races in Austria were very pretty. Um yeah, this one this track is a pretty, relatively old track. It was I think this was they broke ground in the 1950s on this one where with uh Monza is a little bit older in the 1920s. Anyways, um so I mean, yeah, it still has of... grass on the inside track. Yeah. Like <laughs> if they went yeah. off the track they'd be in grass. Yeah. Yeah, do you think somebody I mean someone must mow that, right? <laughs> so so we're at the end they, of they, uh they have the, the famous Italian goats. <laughs> yeah, you have to avoid them while you're driving. So at the end of sector one, going to sector two, there's a quasi hairpin. And this is a hairpin turn, I would say. So that's that's ending kind of the fast uh segment of the track. So um, are we in a DRS zone here, Paul? How many DRS zones are there on this uh on this track? Uh, so yeah, there's there's only one DRS zone, and so we actually uh, just passed that. We that would be a DRS zone leading into that uh, Tamborello corner where Ayrton Senna had his crash at the end of the long straight. Um, but that being said, I think there are lots of opportunities for passing, natural pa- opportunities for passing, given all of the the you know the tight corners here. So I th- I feel like this would be a good track for drivers. Um, anyways leading into the end of sector two we have uh some 90 degree turns nice some nice stands on the side there and wow i mean these are some like look at these old old trees here i mean this is some it's just an old track i mean you could tell uh there's a there's a brief chicane at the end of sector two leading into sector three and we're starting to end the drive on this track we're getting into the speed the drs zone um rather the speed trap zone for the, the upcoming drs zone we have a a square it's not a hairpin turn but it's it's two 90 degree turns leading into the finish start line but i don't know what do you guys think what are you what are, what are the general impressions of the track so to be clear, then the the that DRS zone starts to at the very end of a lap is is where the DRS zone starts, and then you you basically as you're starting your new lap, you're already in the the DRS zone and that long straight. Yeah, that's right. It it it, it it's uh, basically where the start line. It's 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 from the start into Tamborello. Yeah, is, is so where there, the DRS there, zone is. There are you know there are a number of straights that are it looks like that are just aren't quite long enough. To, to be DRS. So I guess this mm-hmm. is going to then require a lot more, you know, old school type of, uh, of driving and not just be able to leverage the car to, to zoom past in the DRS zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, po- you know, I, I guess with that in mind, maybe possibly if, if Max doesn't have a great qualifying, it wouldn't be as easy for him to, to pass everybody just because there is only the one DRS zone as opposed to the three that there were in Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks like it's... That's so interesting to me, to be honest. Like, I can't really understand. This track looks like it doesn't have that many turns in it. Mm-hmm. Are there, yeah, are there I, like, the tracks different lengths? Yeah, the tracks tracks are different lengths. Um, this track uh, So this is must be a, a pretty short track. It's a five-kilometer track. Uh, so through th- it's a three mile long track. 
Yeah, it, it's a relatively are, short one. There are actually 17 turns in the in the track. I, mean, I know it doesn't seem that way, but there there are 17 of them. Yeah, I mean, they, they say it's 17 turns, but some of them are like brief redirections in the road. And right. I, and I don't count as two as well. Yeah, know, I mean, I'm looking at like half the half the track looks like it's like this one long strip other than that, like small little turn that they added where Ayrton Senna crashed. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I thought was kind of funny, I, I looked at this Imola track and then I also looked at the Monza track. And if you look at them together, Monza kind of looks almost exactly like Imola in my opinion, but it's, it's almost like they took the average of all the turns. So it's actually a smoother track, um, but it's got the same relative banana gun shape to it or slug track um, uh, shape to it. So I thought it was just kind of interesting that the both Italian tracks looked very similar in kind of like the overall shape to each other. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of corners. I mean, this with the exception of like one hairpin and then a few 90 degree turns and the chicane. I mean, th this is not a, this, this is a high speed track. You're not going to be slowing down a lot for corners. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's just fast, fast, fast. It also looks like it would be a uh, a fun like fan viewing, uh, yeah, race. Yeah, I agree. Um, I one thing I looked up was I was kind of wondering which one would have the higher ticket prices, and Monza is definitely the more expensive of the two. So yeah, if you want to see some good racing for relatively cheap, I would say that the Imola racetrack would be the one to go see the race at. All right, so. Um... So yeah, now that everybody has a thorough understanding of the track, and uh, I think that we should probably continue our argument from the last episode that we did. The last episode we did, we started digging into some of the most dominant teams from all time. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion around Red Bull, especially of of late, because Red Bull has been extremely dominant for the past two years. But this is, of course, following of an extremely long period of Mercedes dominance. So it started asking. We started uh, asking the question. Well, you know, some of us are not. This is this is a new sport for all of us. We're starting to get into it. So, what what have been the trends historically of dominance in Formula One? So, Doug, I think I know that you you looked into this a little bit. What, what did you find? Yeah. So I looked at. Uh... I tried to understand what dynasties have existed in the sport. And so mm -hmm. I looked at dynasties defined as uh, the team has won greater than two constructors titles. Doesn't need to be uh, uh, in a row. They just had to have won in their history uh, in F1, two constructors titles. Mm -hmm. um, and for context, the constructor titles have, have existed since 1958. And so there have been 64 instructors titles through 2022. What year? What 1958. Year did you say? Oh, okay. 1958. Yeah. Um, I think I think F1 started in like the early 50s or something like that, maybe late 40s. Um, uh, those yeah, that's a good question. Titles didn't didn't exist until 1958. Mm. Uh, so 64. Okay. 64 of those how many do you 
you think what percentage of the 64 do you think we'll be talking about today if i'm if i'm only including teams that have won greater than two constructors titles okay so the, so the question is out of out of all the possible constructors titles which have been won by a team on a a, a racing a winning streak um so and not even and a winning streak before, they, a team that has won more than more than one yeah. And the number 64 is the number of seasons. That's in the which number there of total constructors champion. That's right? the number That's of total constructors. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the question is of 64, how many were, uh, how many are, uh, how, how, what percentage of them were won by teams that have actually won multiple uh, constructors? Yes. Right. That's the exactly. question. Yes. Give me uh, 61. So 61. Yeah, 64. Oh, 61 of 64. Okay. Yeah. So I'll go for a percentage. I'm going to go for, it's probably going to be the same amount, isn't it? Is we're, I'm going to go for 90%. That seems like a reasonable. Well, you guys have a, a, a quite solid uh, pulse on this because it's 92%. It's 59 of the 64. Okay. So that goes to show that uh, if you've either never won a constructor's title or have only won one, it's very, very uh difficult to win the second because uh there's how how many teams do you think we'll be talking about today maybe that that's probably the 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 better question I'm so gonna... how many distinct teams are there within those 59 correct um, wins it's i'm gonna go with like something like six it, I'm it'll gonna be go, i'm gonna go double that i'm gonna say 12 uh the average of you two has been quite strong so far so it's it's 10 <laughs> nice uh and so the most dominant team by number of constructive wins they have let's see they have so so 10 teams have won a constructors championship is what you're saying have won more than two or sorry have won more than one gotcha Okay, and then and then the other and then the other five were won by a team that's only won it once. So then there, there have been fifteen total teams that have ever won a constructors championship. Five of them have only won one, and ten of them have won duplicate. And and just as like a quick clarifying question, I mean these teams sometimes switch names or they get bought up. Uh, did you? Um, I, I don't know I if there's. Control, gonna... I didn't control for that, but maybe we'll know some off the top of. Yeah, we'll probably uh, probably know. Yeah. Um, so with a quarter of all constructors titles won, who do you think takes the number one spot of most dominant? So 16 of 64, I'm going to have to say it would be Ferrari. Yeah, I agree. It has to be Ferrari. I mean, I guess the other possibility would be somebody like Williams um, because they have a, they were historically very good, even though they're not, they're not good now. But it, yeah, it's got to be Ferrari. Yeah, for Man, us, had periods of domination, haven't they? So mm-hmm. your your guys' uh, historical knowledge on this is uh, is 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 better than I thought it would be. <laughs> you can't fool us. <laughs> the first two are Ferrari and Williams. Uh, Ferrari has twenty five percent of total constructorship wins. Uh, Williams has fourteen percent or nine constructor titles. Very cool. I mean, it's kind of funny thinking about Ferrari being so dominant. I mean, last year it it gave everybody like a a flicker of hope 
to see the you know the Ferrari boys competing at the front, and that's very much not been the the case this year. Uh, I, I kind of feel bad for the Tafosi, but you know maybe this weekend it'll it'll change. Yeah, they're 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 yeah. kind of like the Yankees of the sport, aren't they? You know, they have they can rest on the laurels of the fact that they've won so many championships in the past, but the past mm-hmm. you know 15, 20 years have been a bit bleak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the global economic crisis clearly did a number because their last championship was in two thousand eight. <laughs> they, they had a lot of money in, invested in subprime mortgages. <laughs> clearly, I mean that's kind of a uh, funny observation. I mean, I mean because Ferrari is a team like Enzo Ferrari. His whole goal with start like selling cars was just to fund the racing team like that was always his thing he, he didn't even care about selling cars like the racing side of ferrari was just always his his passion so i wouldn't be surprised if the financial crisis <laughs> hurt ferrari in some way because people i mean you're gonna have people buying less luxury cars and uh yeah then you're, you're just gonna have less of a less money to, to yeah. put into your racing team it could it could also be that the the election of uh, Barack Obama, you know, uh, in 2008 <laughs> uh, negatively impacted Ferrari in some way, shape or form as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe there was some okay. super pack stuff going on. We, we all graduated Sad. high school in 2009. So what you're saying is they haven't won a, a championship since then. That's true. That checks out. So are we related to that then? Go ahead, Doug. Sorry. Who takes the third spot? This will be an, I think this is where you'll start to uh, struggle a bit. So how, how can you give us the number of championships won? Eight constructor titles. Interestingly, 12 driver titles, though. The second most driver titles of any team this takes is, the third spot. This is going to be, to me, this will be Merck, because I believe that Lewis Hamilton has... Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Merck. I don't think that they've had that much I don't think they've had that diversity of drivers though, and they're a relatively new team. It's gonna I think it'll be an older team. It'll be somebody like Brabham Racing or something, I think would be my guess. This one honestly hurt a little bit. It's McLaren. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense too. <laughs> should should have guessed that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they had an interesting uh, run because their their longest consecutive constructor streak and driver streak is four years. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was from uh, 88 to 91. But they also had 84 to 86. And it was a really interesting time. So Nicky Lauda was their driver for 84. Then it was Alan Prost. Then Prost again, then Senna, then Prost, then Senna and Senna again, which is just a pretty epic all-time uh, uh, driver lineup for those for that like, what was that? Uh, Eight-year stretch. Yeah, yeah. That's re- I mean that's really amazing. I mean it, it it's kind of funny thinking about that McLaren and it kind of again mirroring the Ferrari discussion that we just had. Looking at McLaren today and just thinking, you know, what the heck happened? So, so did they win all their constructors then in the eighties and nineties? McLaren. McLaren had a had had one in seventy four, and then their latest one was nineteen ninety eight. 
Okay, so they won they won constructors championships across three three different decades. Yes. That that would be an interesting way to look at this too, is is how many different decades did the did the teams win their constructors championships in? Like who's had the most longevity versus, you know, if for example, I think, you know, probably Merck would be a great example of this. I think they won all of theirs in the two thousand tens, right? So Yeah, I mean from eyeballing it, it, it pretty much tracks to the number of constructor titles you won. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Like the most is Ferrari, and that would be the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. So that's five, five decades, and that's the most. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, I mean, at the end of that, I mean, uh, I mean, that's going to be Michael Schumacher, right? Because he was driving for Ferrari, I believe, at that time. Um, they were super dominant then. Yeah, so his streak was five, I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think he won. Si- I think he won six or seven total. Seven. He has seven. But he, yeah, I know that because yeah, that's he, what Lewis was going. But for. they weren't consecutive. Yeah, Lewis was going for his seventh championship when it got. Well, Lewis, in my personal record book, has seven uh, drivers' championships. But that's what he, he was going for. That when um, to tie. Uh, no, he was going for eight. Goal. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I think that's was he right. Yeah, yeah. he won twenty twenty. He won from twenty fourteen to twenty twenty straight. So Lewis Hamilton actually has the longest consecutive streak at seven. No one has ever won seven straight. Again, it shows how dominant also the car was. I mean, we can't like um, discount Lewis as a driver being a very good driver and helping Mercedes to those victories. Uh, but yeah, it goes to Rosberg show- also, his teammate, won a championship, I think, as well. In the middle, yeah. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, you mean one of those seven years he didn't? Yeah, I'm 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 actually Wait. fairly I'm actually fairly certain on this that Hamilton was going to tie attempting to tie Schumacher's um record there with seven um drivers championships. Um when when he got um when the whole situation with Max happened. Um He's won seven. He's won two thousand eight, two thousand fourteen, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Okay. So, oh, interesting. So he, so, okay, so then so I take back what McLaren. I said. In two, who was, was 2008 with McLaren? Yeah, uh, he. I know that he did race for McLaren. That would make sense that he would be with McLaren at that time. Um, he's no, with, because uh, McLaren didn't win him in 2008. No, I mean... Uh, he was with a team that is not a dynasty. Which team is that? I've got it here. Yeah, oh, it no, McLaren, no, it's Mercedes. McLaren. It's McLaren. It's McLaren. It's McLaren. Yeah, McLaren, Mercedes, yeah. Uh, well, it's just McLaren because they, it's Mercedes is there because they're using Mercedes engine. Um, so so fine. So I take yeah. Lewis Hamilton. So to clarify, Lewis Hamilton is not. Lewis Hamilton is not the l- driver with the longest consecutive streak. However, we did also just learn with the 2008 win at McLaren, and McLaren has also had 10 or uh, has had 
four consecutive years of or four consecutive decades of driver championships, but only three consecutive years of constructors championships. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, however, Mercedes has had the longest consecutive driver streak in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, at seven, yeah. the awesome. only the closest. Uh, second is Ferrari with five. Yeah, so the seven is a pretty and ruin Hamilton's streak. Oh, but yeah, exactly. And is an interesting kind of uh, thing to have happened in history, knowing the environment that we're in in 2023 with Checo and Max. Like, yeah, that's true. it's not entirely. It's it, there is precedent for the number two guy to randomly win a driver championship in the middle of a like of a historical kind of driver run yeah it's kind of funny already talking about max as a dynasty you know because he's not even near those seven or eight required to be in the in the same ranks as michael schumacher and lewis hamilton but i mean i think everybody can kind of see the writing on the wall i think max is going to be around for a long time same with red bull this dominance is probably going to continue for a while. Yeah, Max Verstappen, he was born in 2000 or 1997. That makes him 25. He'll be turning 26 this year. I mean, so he could, he, he's already won two uh, drivers championships. Um, you'd have to say he's definitely the favorite for this one to get a third. So then, I mean, if, if we're talking, he drives until maybe like 32 or 33, that's seven more seasons um, that in theory he could be racking up the championships. Yeah, I mean, well, Fernando Alonso is 76, so that gives Max another 50 years to win. <laughs> I it, I just don't think that the driver differences are great enough that the driver can withhold such a long streak. It has to be a significant portion driven by the car performance relative to other car performances. Yes, yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think that's been like a source of the uh, of our debate for the past few episodes is like, you know, how much of of it is the driver, how much of it is the car. But, yeah, we're going to we're going to start to see some dominance here. Um, OK, so to wrap this up, the last several Lotus comes in with 10 percent of constructor titles wins or 11 percent, mm-hmm. I should say. Terrible at streaks, though. So that's seven. That's seven out of six. Is that seven? Exactly. Yeah. Good math. Good math, Remy. Um, and then we have Red Bull. And so if, I, I'm assuming you both are aware of this, uh, but they've had, they were a dynasty well before Max. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, Sebastian. They had um, Mark Weber, I believe. Uh, Weber didn't and... win though, but yes. I, yeah. Yeah. Sebastian. Sebastian won four, four straight years from 2010 to 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that's right. Mark Weber hasn't won. Um, so um, with that, I mean, v- Vettel, though, I, I, that four is that for the longest streak for an individual driver to win the championship? I think Schumacher might have won. four. I think Schumacher, I think Schumacher won five. Yeah, so that that's an interesting one, too, because that's I guess, and Lewis won four. That That's one of Max's 
probably goals is to surpass that number and to to win. I, I bet I bet Max's goal is to to when he retires, of course, he will have won. I, well, Max's goal. This is probably every single driver's goal, right? <laughs> Whether it's attainable or not is another story. But every driver's goal is probably to retire having won the most amount of drivers' championships of all time and uh, and uh, have the the longest streak. But for Max, it's it's probably it, it, it attainable after this if if he wins this season. Um, then he'll need to do two more then to tie Schumacher and three more to uh, seasons to pass him. So I guess uh, we'll check back in uh, 2026 on that. Okay. And then last, last but not least, uh, the last three, Brabham, Cooper, and Renault. That's the last three teams to have won a Constructors' Championship. Yeah, and they each, they each have two. And so Brabham was in the 60s. Cooper was in the late 50s, early 60s. And Renault was in the mid-2000s with Fernando Alonso. I think it's Cooper. I mean, I think this is true, right? It's the Cooper as in Mini Cooper. I think, I think it's the same Cooper, isn't it? I believe it is. Cooper. I hardly know. Her. Okay, so this is actually the last question <laughs> I have for you all is is testing how well you have picked up uh, knowledge from quizzes in the past. Uh, so Brabham, I mentioned Brabham, right? Brabham, hardly knew him. Uh, <laughs> the Aussie. They also accomplished something no other team has ever accomplished. What is that thing? By winning. The constructor and driver championships, they did the one thing that no other team has ever done. Paul knows the answer. I can see it all over his face. He's uh, just I'm, being I shy. The answer. I forgot oh. the answer. <laughs> I'm glad I've got a good poker face, though. So. Um, <laughs> Brabham has done something. Oh, my God. When you say Brabham's not going to get this because all he can think about is Brabham hardly know him. <laughs> He's stuck in the stuck in the loop. Yeah, I don't know, Doug. Um, as soon as you say it, it's gonna be it's gonna be embarrassing. Had a driver win a championship with his name on the car. The driver was uh, Jack Brabham. That's cool. And then interestingly, Cooper's two driver championships was from Jack Brabham as well. Very cool. Well, cool. Well, I feel like I'm uh, informed. About the history of uh, streaks, I mean, I think one thing that sticks out to me is how few, uh, how few constructors there are that have kind of broken broken into that dominant uh, ranking. There are, and yeah, I think the interesting way to look at it would be since the nine, like basically since the early two thousands, how many teams have won? Don't tell us. Don't tell us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely Merck, definitely Red Bull, definitely McLaren. So, so you when, when you say win, are you talking about winning a constructors or are you talking about having the driver win? Constructors. Okay, so not definitely McLaren then. Um, so definitely, definitely Ferrari, definitely Merck, definitely Red Bull. Do you think that? So, so McLaren could have won it that, that year, right? I suppose. So the question is, it's do you, what do you think, Paul? Is it three or is it four? Um, well, I don't remember when the 
I mean, because Lewis Hamilton uh, was driving the McLarens. Was, I don't what 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 was the starting year? I don't remember what the starting year was. Since the two thousands started, yeah. And, you know, I'm so go with three. Yeah, three or four seems reasonable. Yeah, you have to pick one. I'm gonna go with four then, since you picked three. Good, because if you had said three, I would have didn't change my answer. Who are the three or four? Well, what Remy was saying, so Remy was saying Mercedes, Red Bull, um, Ferrari, Ferrari, then McLaren. McLaren would be a possible fourth. fourth. McLaren has not won a constructor championship in since the since pre two thousand. So I guess then only three, unless unless you're. It seems like you're saying that there's a fourth that we haven't mentioned. Um, Oh yes, two thousand. Go for it. 2009 is the only year since the 2000s that the constructor chip wasn't won by one of three teams. And those three teams are Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull. I don't know who won in 2009. They're not one, they're, whoever won in 2009 is a team that has not won more than one constructor title. Uh, 2009 was, uh, give me one second. Yeah. Braun GP. B-R-A-W-N. It was driven by, uh, Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello. Uh, I never would have guessed this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Were they acquired by someone? Braun, B R A U N, like the German yeah. kind of like electronics ish kind of appliance company. You know, Braun. They, they make I've, razors and things like that. Electric razors. B R A W N. Yeah. Oh no, never mind. So uh, it was uh, formed in 2009 by a management file. Led by Ross Braun of the Honda Racing F1 team. And then... Uh, in 2009? And they and won in 2009? I think I think they turned into Mercedes after the... Yeah, they turned into Mercedes. So they started as Honda. They raced a season underneath the name of Braun. And then they turned into Mercedes. Okay. So, in fact, then the answer is three. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the winner. Cool. All right. Well, I'll get it next time. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just glad that Doug Doug is safe. You know, uh, for, I, I'm uh, from from all the police activity in the background. <laughs> so point being, point major takeaway of all of this whole point of all of this is, yeah, we should be super super like upset that Red Bull is just trying to catch up to Mercedes and Ferrari's total dominance of the sport. Mm-hmm. Well. So I, I, you know, I, I think that um, it would be interesting to do a uh, analysis of within a season, like most dominant within a season, as opposed to you know across. Um, I, you know, I, I that's because that's that's I think my gripe with with Red Bull is more so that if if they win every single race this year, um, which George Russell, you know, implied after the first race that he thinks that there's a real possibility that they they would. Um, if they do win every single race this year, my which my again would be would be the most unprecedented thing in the history of the sport, right? But just just how unprecedented is what I would be curious to to know about. Um, you know, what's the most dominant season as well? Um, 
because I, I think if they, if they were to do that, that that would be um, my, my gripe is I don't think that that would be good for the sport. So, um, but good, you know, good to know that there are at least, um, you, you know, there, there's been periods of, 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 of dominance uh, and Red Bull certainly will uh, continue that for the season. But um, I, I think looking at it at a more micro level, I don't. I mean, here, Michael good. Schumacher, 2004. 72 win percentage, 13 out of 18 wins. Mm -hmm. Alberto Ascari is the only one who had more, and it was six wins out of eight races at a 75%. Yeah, we should probably probably not. Sebastian Vettel in 2013, 13 of 19 races won. In 2002, 11 of 17. All right, so we just got through... Uh, a good high-level view of dynasties in the sport of F1. I think uh, to continue this discussion, because I do think that this is a really, really uh, valuable discussion to have about uh, kind of the health of the sport of F1, uh, we do need to understand a little bit more nuance uh, within that to really see how dominant within particular seasons have teams been that could ultimately affect uh, viewership as, as Remy has called out. And so stay tuned next pod. We'll definitely have uh, some more information on that. All right. So more to come on that. And now for the favorite part of the podcast for all of our listeners worldwide is the part of grace and depth and, and art. This is creativity. This is the hike thoughtfulness. Exactly. So this is the, the haiku portion where we have our closing haikus that we've spent literally minutes developing. So, uh, but anyways, (laughs) I I still see some counting on fingers. So I hope that we're ready to go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, right. I counted wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh no all right so doug will go last um but we'll have uh remy do you want do you want to go first or do you want do you want me to go first uh, i'd be i'd be happy to go first um, all right take it start away us off on a good foot here mm-hmm. uh actually this is a an interesting one for me because normally i pre-write my haiku before the mm. before the uh before we start to record but actually i've i've completely altered it uh, based on some of the stuff that we talked about today. How about that? Nice. Um, uh, okay, so, ready? Race in Imola. My Bologna. <laughs> Drive around the slug. Beautiful. <laughs> it's very, very, I mean, yeah. That, that, is, that is the epitome of grace and elegance. I think that uh, I weird out would be proud and slugs everywhere. All right, are you ready? This, this one's uh, this this one's a hard hitting one. At the starting line, I'm haunted by those I've killed. They say it's a me. <laughs> it's a Mario Kart one. I wasn't sure if you were writing it from the perspective of the track or what, you know? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what no, I thought. Is, 
this is no oh, okay so maybe i thought this was related to like senna and like no no this is mario kart <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is this is mario and luigi and we're talking about red shells and green shells and that's all we're talking about I'm sure that there would actually be a very interesting, that would be an interesting way to write one is from the perspective of the track itself, haunted mm. by those I've killed. Hmm. Well, that got a lot darker than my, I, I wanted to make a nice and light Mario Kart one. <laughs> and it got turbid. Hey, but you know, art is in the eye of the beholder. The, so. the track changed its name because it couldn't recognize itself in the mirror anymore. Yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> it needs a new start in order to get over it. I, I would have right. gone with shelled instead of killed there, Paul. All right. Hey, let me reread it. At the start at the starting line. <laughs> I'm haunted by those. Like, I feel shelled. like I'm I feel like I'm Yeah, this is like a, a bad veteran story or something. Like, I don't know. They say it's a me. <laughs> okay. All right, Doug, you gotta take it home. You gotta save us from this mess. I, I, it's not going to be pretty. I, I will say I probably I'm using this as a as a cathartic experience to try and uh, uh, limit the amount of times I say this in the future. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting it into a haiku. So that way uh, there's some uh, so I can move on from it. Mm-hmm. So I do not know Max. Brabham hardly knew him, too. But Max will win. <laughs> It's, it's 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 pretty good all right so i think that um we really got our well we got our art in for the day that's for sure we got our art in for everybody else i don't know well with that being said thank you everybody for joining us for another episode of views from the safety car and uh with that we'll just say bye-bye bye-bye bye <laughs>